Hello, this is Tiara. Hello, this is Allie. And welcome to another episode of The Goddess Vibration. Happy to have you here because we are moving forward in our trauma series. So before this episode, we talked about the trust room. And then we did an introduction to this series, which if you haven't listened to that, please do. Because it kind of lays the foundation for everything that we're going to be discussing over these next few episodes. Uh, We kind of decided that trauma is something that affects all of us in different ways, and it seems to be an overlooked aspect of the spiritual healing journey, just because I don't think people realize, like, what trauma can look like and how you can go about clearing that to help you move forward. So we're going to talk about that. Today, we are going to be focusing on another inner child wound. This one specifically is the neglect wound. And I'm really excited to talk about this because um, Ali actually said this, that this is probably a wound that affects like almost everyone in some way, whether big or small. Um, So we got a lot to say about the neglect wound. She and I have both been affected by this particular inner child wound. Um, So we're going to have a lot to share today. The neglect wound is when we, let me back up. When we started the series and we were looking into the type of wounds that we want to talk about, like some of the more common ones, we actually first originally had the guilt wound there. And then after doing a little research, we found the neglect wound. And after diving in and kind of reading about it, it really resonated with me that I think like 90% of people probably have experienced at some point in their lives, whether that's having busy parents or growing up in single parent households or even parents who are together but don't have time. I think a lot of people can relate to one of those scenarios and it really does affect us um, and Even if we can't remember it, it stays with us and it comes up in forms of, you know, if we're triggered, it comes up in different forms as we get older. And some of us might not have the self-awareness to know we are being triggered, why we're being triggered, why that's there. And if we don't process that, it's going to keep coming up. And who wants that? I don't think anyone does. Right. No one wants that. And that's the crazy thing about trauma is that if you don't like work through it and process it, it's going to keep coming up and it's going to come up in ways that you don't even consciously realize. Because that's the thing about trauma is like it'll sit there in your mind somewhere without your conscious awareness. And like so it's it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate. Um, Hence the need to talk about it in a little bit more detail. So uh, before we dive into that, I don't think Allie knows this. I am obsessed with Vogue and voguing. Um, so I don't even know guys, what that is. I, know, I didn't think you'd know what that is. So voguing, it's, it's a style of dance, right? And it's like, it came out of the LGBTQ community back in the 80s-ish, and there's multiple forms of it. So like, essentially, the theme behind it is that you are walking down a runway. Um, and 
you need to serve the runway and you need to make yourself seen. And you do that by like dancing in poses, right? And for the LGBTQ community, it's a form of dance that you mostly see gay men doing, particularly the men who are more feminine, because the concept behind it is that you're going to show your, you know, feminine essence. You're going to show that off. You're going to serve, serve the runway. I am so freaking obsessed with this. And there are videos on YouTube of um, OTA, Open to All in New York. They do these Vogue sessions and sometimes they'll have prizes. And um, the way it works is that you have someone chants who's like um, chanting you on, right? On the runway. And I fucking love it so much. So I'm actually trying to like teach myself how to do it. And once I get there, I'm going to post some TikToks and you guys are going to love it. So I just wanted to give my little tidbit about voguing. Shout out to my voguers. If you guys are interested and do voguing or follow voguing and follow some of the voguers in the community. Um, again, it's, it's something geared towards the LGBTQ community, but I, I respect it and I show you know, respect to it and I do follow it. I, I, love, I love it. Um, it's so fun to watch. And um, the only part that's gonna be really hard for me is nailing how to do the dip. Oof, that's tough. <laughs> Essentially what you do is you like, you dip, you lift one foot in the air and you dip down to the floor with the other leg and it's just like magic. I don't know how they do it. A lot of the people who do Vogue are very limber and lithe and thin. I mean, I've seen bigger people do it too and like big girls do it. But some of the best Voguers are, they're thin, they're fit, they, they're, they can maneuver really easy um, because, because there's a lot of like fasheing and swishiness <laughs> and like there's a lot of floor work and like shaking your hair and oh my god I'm so fucking obsessed so you guys might see me voguing here in the next few months I just wanted to share that this kind of reminds me not that I've seen the show I know it is a show does this have anything to do with like the RuPaul's like runway or catway or whatever he calls it loosely loosely okay so um, some of you guys may have seen the performance by Mirage um, and her performance went viral on TikTok where she's like, um, I'm kind of a bitch. Um, and she, kind of, she does a little bit of voguing in her performance. And so you see like her hands twirling and like that kind of stuff. That's, that's, it's a reminiscence of Thin Vogue. Um, huh. But yeah, loosely, you'll, you'll see some of that in the RuPaul drag races. Okay. Oh, my chanting friend is back. Hold on. I'm going <laughs> to. So I'm here in, in Vagado in Colombia. And there is this guy who walks around outside just chanting and screaming at the sky. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. It's in Spanish. But it, it sounds like he's chanting or maybe singing. I have no idea. But he's so loud. And he does it every day, twice a day. Um, <laughs> so if you hear him, I'm sorry. He's just living his best life. Good on him. I know. Good on that him. Brings, if that brings him joy and happiness, I say do your thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm not shooting him down. It's just like, you know, kind of rough when you're trying to record audio. It's <laughs> like a guy outside your window screaming his ass off. But anyway, more power to the guy. Absolutely. Well, that was a very interesting tidbit. I don't really have any interesting tidbits to share. I am looking forward to seeing what voguing is and seeing Tiara do it. Okay, I'm gonna send you a. I'll send you a TikTok of voguing, okay, or, like a, or YouTube, so that you can kind of get a sense of what it is. 
Sounds like a plan. So in regards to the neglect loan, I want to talk a little bit about what it actually is because, you know, we did mention that a lot of people probably, you know, have this in some way or capacity. Um, but like all of the other inner childhood wounds, it's something that occurs as a result of less than ideal, less than ideal childhood circumstances. Um, and let's be honest, like a lot of us did have less than ideal childhood circumstances. Like it's, it's, it's really rare that you'll find someone who's like, oh, I had a perfect childhood. Exactly. Like, is that even a thing? I don't even know if that's a thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is for some people. But for a lot of us, it's just like, you know, there are things from our childhood that we need to heal from. Um, so when we say neglect, like, I know initially people think of the idea of, like, it being, like, where the child's not being fed, or maybe the parents disappear for days, or, you know, maybe there's, like, some type of abuse in the house. Um, it doesn't need to be that, like, specific. Extreme and it doesn't need to be that extreme. Yeah. Because a neglect can also be emotional. So if you have parents who are really busy, they work nine to fives, maybe both your parents work nine to fives or even longer than that. Um, it's hard to give your child the attention that they need on a daily consistent basis. It just is. And that's just the reality of that type of lifestyle. So oftentimes you will see where perhaps because the parents are so busy, they lack the capacity and resources to meet all of the child's various needs throughout their adolescence and throughout you know, their development. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of kids internalize that. So it's, it's, it's more common you, than you think. And that's why initially we were under the idea that like, you know, all of us probably have this in some capacity because if you were a kid and both your parents worked like all day long or even longer than that, there's a good chance that some aspects of your needs as a child were not met. Um, so now, that doesn't mean that every single child who experienced that is going to develop a neglect wound. Um, so I do want to clarify that. Like, I'm not trying to paint a broad brush here because there are some kids who perhaps had that experience but went on to, you know, not develop a neglect wound and went on to live happy lives. Um, the neglect wound arises when there's, like, a lack of adequate emo emotional attention or care from loved ones or when you were deprived of basic or physical needs, like the clothes, like the food, um, and that kind of stuff. So either of those circumstances can lead to the development of a neglect wound. Absolutely. And the neglect wound will show up in various different ways as you become an adult. And some of those ways that it might show up or how it might look like could be having low self-worth or mm -hmm. struggling to let things go, not being able to say no. Like I think the neglect wound um, really catapults the people pleasing, right? Because it's like you want, you want people's approval, you want people to like you. It can also show up in forms of getting angry really easily or fearing vulnerability and I know for me that was my like one of my biggest struggles actually a lot of these were like I had low self-esteem I didn't have really self-worth and I definitely feared vulnerability and I got angry very easily so 
in regards to your neglect wounds, did that develop from the abandonment too? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I would say that I don't really know when I became conscious of the fact that I was adopted. And so I had all those years of confusion and not understanding the circumstances or understanding my environment. I just knew that I wasn't in an ideal environment and I was different. Like on a physical level, I was different. Um, and I knew that kids were mean to me and picked on me and I didn't really understand why. And I knew that I was one of the few colored people in my little dinky town and I didn't have like I didn't put all the pieces together at the time of being like okay well maybe they're picking on me because I'm colored or because I'm different or because I'm odd um I just it, it's hard to go through something like that because your brain's just not fully developed and it's 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 a lot to process and I couldn't process it. So it came out in ways of like low self-worth and getting angry and fearing vulnerability and all those other things I just listed. So for me, um, like my circumstances were a little different. Um, I lived in a household where both my parents worked and my mom works like a nine to five. And then my dad, he also did, but he works nights. So typically what went on in our household is we would see our mom during the day. Um, and then at nights during the day, our dad would be sleeping and then he would be working at night. So like we would really only see our dad like on the weekends. Um, you know, we would see him in the house walking around and doing what he needs to do or whatever. But for the most part, he would sleep during the day. And then by the time we got home, he was getting ready to leave. Um, so me being the oldest, I, I think like feeling like I couldn't or didn't have the attention of both my parents, I think it affected me probably harder than my other two sisters. Um, especially because I was involved in extracurriculars, which started in middle school, I got involved in basketball. Um, which, like, I had mixed feelings about basketball. It was one of those things that, like, I was a tall, lanky kid. And so people would be like, oh, you should play basketball. You should play basketball. So I was essentially, like, recruited to play basketball when I really didn't want to, but I did anyway because everyone told me to. Um, with that said, I, I did learn to enjoy, you know, my team and, like, you know, the activity of it. but. Like, you know, I wasn't that great. It was just like something to do. Um, but I remember to myself and thinking to myself, even when I went into basketball in high school, that my parents never came to any of my games. Like, not one. Did they ever come to any of my practices or any of my games or, like, give me anything to support basketball? Like, it was all me having to get my stuff and, like, pay for my shoes and, like, that kind of thing. Um, and I internalized that. Even if I didn't consciously realize that, I internalized that. Before that point, my, my parents were so busy that as a kid, I didn't know that this consciously developed. Um, I actually had to go back and process this later. 
but I didn't feel like I could go to them for anything. I didn't feel like I could talk to them about what was going on with me. I didn't feel like I could talk to them about my dreams or my goals or, you know, stuff I was experiencing with school or friends or boys or bullying. I didn't talk to them about any of that stuff. Uh, and I think it's because they were just so busy that I didn't feel like I could. So I internalized a neglect wound because my emotional le- emotional needs were not being met by my parents. Now, interesting thing, this affected my youngest sister too, who she used to have t- tantrums, like my baby sister. She used to have like fierce tantrums. And like, we still talk about it to this day because when she was like two or three, Man, like everyone in the store could hear her. And like, it was just, it was, it was wild. Um, We would tease her too, and that didn't help. So she would like get in tantrums when me and my middle sister would tease her. She was just like a very tantrum-y kid. And we didn't really understand it at that time. But um, she was always trying to get her mother's attention with the tantruming and with the crying and with the screaming. And we didn't quite get it, but as I got older, I realized that it was her attempt as a child to get nurturing from my mom that she couldn't provide. Um, So that just goes to show that that neglect wound can present in different ways. Uh, My mother wasn't a nurturing mother. She was more of like, all right, I'm going to make sure you have food and clothes and, you know, a house and I'm going to pay for your education and that should be good enough for you. So she was a provider. She was a provider. She was not a nurturer. But you need both as a child, as I realize now. Um, because with, when we didn't get that nurturing, it left a wound. Um, and my youngest sister acted upon that. And we saw how she acted upon that. We didn't realize that until she got older. But that's how she didn't have the words. Similar to what Ali said, she didn't have the ability to process that at that time. So that's how it manifested. Um, so again, you know, it, it, neglect wounds can look like different things. And that's what it looked like to me. And I honestly think that we are seeing the effects of this wound on children in mass, particularly in schools today, because my goodness, some of the things that I see kids doing to their teachers and the way they're acting in classrooms blows my freaking mind. Like, when I was a kid, I couldn't have fathomed some of the stuff I'm seeing kids do today. Um, so if you're a teacher or a mentor or a tutor or a daycare provider, my heart goes to you because, oh, my God, this generation of children, I just don't know what to think about them. I would say that the majority of people don't know what to think about him. And. We don't want to, our purpose here is not to trigger people, but if you get triggered, I'm sorry. Trigger warning. Well, no, I just, I feel like this is something that people need to hear because I've, I've done some research into this and really what it comes down to is it's the parent's responsibility and it's because We just discussed how children are not fully developed. We don't have the mental capacity to process this. We are just learning what emotions are. We might not know where these emotions are coming from. And 
like basically it comes down to the parent and how much time and energy they are willing to put into their children to make them into better people because we don't when we're children we don't know any better mm-hmm. and so I see this I have like I do know daycare professionals and I do know some teachers and I've talked to them I've had conversations with them and they were like we try so hard we try so hard in the eight hours that they're with us in the daycare or the eight hours that they're with us in the classroom but you have to understand is that when they go home all of our teachings get completely derailed because it's not consistent. When you are not consistent with a child, it will fall off. Yes. So it's almost, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. Well, I was just going to say, it's almost like, well, in that particular instance that the children are getting that structure there, but then when they go home, it disappears. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. It's just, like I said, it's, it's like those teachings in the classrooms and the teachings in daycare or wherever they are getting these other teachings, it gets derailed at home because the second that you go home, your, your environment changes, right? It's like, you're just going to go back to what you know at home, which is, well, I'm just going to watch TV. I'm not going to do my homework. It's like, there's no structure at home. Like children actually need structure. And I don't know if people don't know that children need structure or they don't care to know or if basically if you look at gener <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at generations, people will say it is always like it's always I don't know if this is like some conspiracy thing or if this is. I don't I don't know how I necess- if I necessarily agree with this sentiment, but they always say the previous generations always say it's our job to make our children's lives easier so they don't have to go through what we went through. Now, when you think about what that means, there is a comedian I was watching and he actually cracked a joke about this and he was just like I feel like maybe we have done our jobs a little too well where the next generation needs to care less or need to make their lives easier. I think we've made their lives too easy. And there, there was something about that that actually really resonated with me. And I think with the advance of technology and with the advance of everything else, I think that we are just losing basic human interaction skills, interpersonal skills, inner, like kids, these kids don't know how to communicate because everything is done digitally. All they care about is like getting back on their phones or going and watching TV or going home and gaming. Everything has become such an online thing that these kids don't care about making friends. They don't know how to interact with people. They don't know how to treat people with the respect. They don't know how to act in public because everyone is just so addicted to this technological environment that we have created for them. So I think that there are multiple factors that are contributing to 
the behavior of children that we see in the classroom. Um, I, I think that once we became a keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses society, that emphasis changed, right? So it's not like how it used to be back in like the 50s, 60s, even the 70s, when you could have one parent work and another parent could stay home and you could have everything you needed to survive. Like it's just, it's harder to do that with inflation and the cost of living. So now what you're seeing is you're seeing two parents that are busy, right? Oftentimes working multiple jobs if the child even has a two-parent household. If the child doesn't have a two-parent household, there's a good chance that the parent they do have there is probably working multiple jobs. So when you're that busy, you're not going to really be able to give your child the attention and the care that they truly and fully need. And sometimes that means that things like structure and helping you with your homework and making sure your homework's getting done and discipline, it goes out the window because you have to prioritize. Okay, well, what's more important? Like, feeding my kids, making sure they have clothes in their back, or this stuff, right? So I think people are prioritizing stuff. Um, you know, I, I said keeping up with the Joneses, but that's unfair. It's not really about that these days. I think for the most part, people are just trying to survive. Um, so, you know, obviously, we live in a society now where it's getting harder and harder to survive. And so when this stuff happens, we see the consequences. And I think some of the consequences are that children aren't getting that same structure and discipline like they used to in prior generations because the parents are just so, so busy. And that's not necessarily the parents' fault, you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to blame the parents for any of that. I just think that that's the way our structure in society um, has shifted. And the burden of that and the brunt of that is being borne upon teachers who not only do they have to focus on teaching, but they also have to focus on discipline. And that's not fair to the teacher. Like, a teacher shouldn't have to do that. Um, unfortunately, in a lot of districts, teachers have not been allowed to discipline. Like, a lot of teachers have been disempowered when it comes to discipl disciplining children, I guess, just more or less through the liberal policies. Maybe there's a fear of being sued. I don't know. I know back in the day that they used to beat the kids' ass. So I don't know why that changed. <laughs> um, you know, I, they used to do like the thing where the kid would stand in the corner, you know, or like what's it, the, the, the dunce cap or whatever it was. Yeah, and like the banging of the erasers outside. Right, and... right. Yeah, like kids would, they would like be, they would have to take accountability for their actions and behaviors. And that has been removed from the classroom. So when that happens, like, yeah, you're going to see children do things that are atrocious and that they shouldn't be doing. Um, I've seen a couple Twitter videos of children, typically middle school or high school, like beating the teacher relentlessly, like just going to town on the teacher. And like my jaw dropped and I was like, I could never fathom doing something like that to an authority figure and I never saw, saw anything like that when I was in middle school or high school so like you know in my high school I went to a magnet school it's so funny because it was a school in California um Sacramento I grew up in Sacramento California and there were two schools there was like the main campus and then there was the west campus some of you guys who grew up there might know which school I'm talking about I went to the West Campus, which was like the school for the good kids and the nerds and the geniuses. And the main campus was where everyone else went. <laughs> <It's not laughs> 
<laughs> but that's how we looked at it. Um, so while we were the same school, we also had rivalry. And it was like, oh, you know, those West Campus people, they're nerds. And we would be like, oh, those main campus people are going to jail. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, so, like, where I went, yeah, I didn't see those things. Maybe that stuff happened over at the main campus. I don't know. I was fortunate that I never witnessed anything like that. And, like, nowadays, I still can't imagine anything like that. But this stuff is happening. I have seen, that wasn't just the first video I've seen of this. I've seen multiple videos of students attacking their teachers. And teachers have been saying, like, this field and this profession is getting dangerous. It's getting to the point where no one wants to be a teacher now because now their lives are at stake. And that is crazy to me. That is crazy to me. Same. Like, like you shouldn't have to worry about your safety while trying to educate the next generation of children. It's just, Agreed. my brain can't brain it. Well, also, I mean, the number of school shootings have skyrocketed. Oh, God, yes. And, and so that's just, that. well, well, I know, but it's just another layer of not feeling safe. It's another layer of unpredictability. It's just an, it, I, my question is, is what the hell is happening at home or what the hell is happening in these children's lives where they feel like they need to bring weapons to school and unleash their wrath? Yes, and there was actually a case of that in Florida. I believe it was out of Florida um, where a child, I think he was like five, brought a gun to school and shot his teacher. Five. Yeah, like, that's ex that's exactly my point. It's like, first of all, why is there, why, why, why aren't, aren't parents locking their guns up in a safe? That's my first question. My second question is, like, how are children even getting their hands on these weapons? And then where do they think it's like, okay, it's like you're five. You don't, right. you barely know what a, you barely know what a gun is. And yet, why is the safety not turned on? Why are they able to bring it to school? And why are they able to know how to point and shoot at age five? Exactly. That's what I'm like. What is going on in these households, you guys? Like, what what is happening here? Like, and uh, you know, it was the kind of thing where it was like the child is so young that we can't prosecute. Like, in the history of the state, like no one has prosecuted a five year old. Um, so it was one of those things where they didn't really quite know what to do. The authorities, it was more just like, well, we got to see what's going on in this child's home. Maybe there's some neglect. I, I think the teacher ended up suing the school district. Good, um, but there wasn't much else that they could really do i mean he was fine um but uh, obviously there's some type of pattern or something going on in this household that has made this child feel like that's something that he needs to do and that's sad that's very very sad um you know ali brought up the school shootings yeah i'm from the u.s so i understand the impact of that i understand what she means and what she's talking about um she's right that it adds another layer of the safety when it comes to going to school and when you're a kid or a teen and you go to school and in the back of your mind you're worried that someone could blast you at any minute that is traumatic like Very. going to school is now traumatic and i don't know how we got to this place um, but you know, 
obviously there is something happening in our households that has led to this repeating pattern of neglect that we're seeing in multiple households that has created this, you know, this effect. Um, how do we resolve it? I, I don't really know. I, I think it's more or less going to have to be teachers standing up and demanding accountability and uh, demanding that parents be held accountable, demanding that children be held accountable, demanding that they take or get power back that they used to have in the classroom. Um, we are facing a teacher crisis in our country. Like they cannot find teachers to do these jobs anymore because I think people are starting to catch on to what's going on. Um, I think a lot of teachers are being dissuaded from the profession and a lot of teachers are quitting in mass. Like, well, also they don't make enough. It's like, okay, so my life, my life could be in danger every single day and I get paid pennies for exactly like, what there is nothing appealing. There is no benefit of being a teacher nowadays. Right. Exactly. And so like, um, when I was living in Arizona, there was this big thing about there being a teacher shortage and the same thing's happening in California because California is so, so expensive um, that they can't find teachers. And I think some places are like trying to make it resolve that by creating like, I don't know what, but like teacher towns where like the rent's cheaper and the teacher can live there. Uh, but you shouldn't, that shouldn't be necessary. Like, why is that necessary? Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate that we're facing a teacher shortage right now. And I, I think some places are lowering standards to find teachers, um, which I think is a terrible idea. It's like a terrible agree. idea. No, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I saw one TikTok. One of the teachers was 16 years old. What? Um, yes, there was a, a TikTok about a teacher who is literally 16 years old. Um. I think they, they, they've expanded or lowered requirements and like, you know, I don't think you need to have the teacher certification anymore in some places. Like that's how desperate they're getting. And I'm like, okay, you guys are doing this, but what are you doing to address the actual issue here? How is this going to solve things like student behavior, behavior in the classroom? How is this going to resolve teachers feeling disempowered? Um, how is this going to resolve teachers not having enough money to feed themselves, let alone get the stuff they need for their classroom like what are you guys doing to resolve that i don't i don't see it so until that stuff starts to really get addressed you know i, I don't know what's going to happen with the profession i don't i i just i don't know um it is of my opinion and this is my opinion only okay this is for entertainment purposes i think that the public education system is a failure i personally believe that i, I think it needs drastic overhaul i don't know how we're going to get to that but Personally, for me, if I had children, they would not be educated in the public school system, and that's my personal opinion. Oh, I wouldn't send my kids to school either. Like school at all or public school? Public school. Okay. Or maybe even private school. I think I would homeschool my kids, truthfully. Yes, homeschooling is actually, it's, it's blowing up for this reason. A lot more kids are getting homeschooled. You know, it's interesting. I think they did a study on like the... Uh, educational and academic attainment of homeschool kids versus public school kids and homeschool kids excel academically like they do so well and I don't quite know what it is um, but there's a difference 
And, you know, I haven't done enough research to really get into why that is, but I have seen that multiple times where children who are homeschooled, they just, they tend to do better. So I, I actually know, had a friend growing up in Vermont who was homeschooled. They were a family of five. They had three children and they were all homeschooled and they were some of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my entire life. See, that's what I mean. It's and like, like they, they excelled in academics, like early graduations and like excelling, like go, going to like Ivy League colleges and how their parents offset their kids not being in school is that they really threw their children into activities. So like they yes. would still sign them up for like soccer or, you know, musical plays different kinds of sports and so they got so they integrated their children into the after school program so they still were able to interact with children but got like quality education at home that's incredible yeah and I've seen other stories like that of homeschooled children just excelling academically and like graduating early and I honestly think it's because that the distractions that you see in the public school um, classrooms isn't there. And so the children get that one-on-one attention that they need in order to learn and, you know, excel academically. You know, I could be wrong, but that's just kind of my theory. Well, I just gave you a story proving it. I, I yeah, it think, was an anecdote. Yeah. I mean, I beyond just the school system being broken, I don't want to get too political, but I I think the whole fucking system in America is broken. I think the political system is broken. I think this is why people aren't voting. I think people have lost faith. Mm, I agree. So I think it goes from the top down. And I think that people are just like, why do we even have democracy? It's all scams it's all cheating it's it none of it's real it's all there's no structure they politicians just say what they got to say to get themselves into office but like they rarely if ever follow through on any of their promises and I think people have finally caught on and was like why are we even putting people in office because they don't follow through on anything nothing's really changing things are getting more expensive I am like we're struggling we're just trying to survive we can't have children they want to raise our retirement age to age 70 I don't know if you've seen that whole debacle like why why are we killing ourselves for a system that's been broken and is clearly broken. Right. Yeah. People are disillusioned. Um, and that's unfortunate because it's it's not going to be good for our society when people feel disillusioned by the political system because that trickles into other things like the education system, like the justice system. I used to work in the justice system and I see people being, how disillusioned people are. And we have seen things like, judges being attacked and targeted and it's it's just it's it's bad when people lose faith in the systems that keep society going exactly um so i know we kind of went on a tangent i want to come back around to the neglect wound because i for some of you guys who might think you might have one um i want to share a little bit of the traits that would indicate something like that 
Um, you know, I talked earlier about how it can develop, but if you're thinking you might have a neglect wound, you're going to want to look for things like loneliness, um, perfectionism. For me, perfectionism was huge. And I think it was for Allie too. Um, I know like I was always trying to like impress um, myself in particular. It was, it was like this perfectionism was like me proving to myself that I'm worthy. And I had this thing also about like being perfect at work and like wanting my job, my bosses to really like me. Um, so perfection, perfectionism was a thing for me. In some ways it still is. It's just kind of like, I don't know. There's little bits of it still in me. I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it fully, but I don't allow perfectionism to, um, you know, indicate my worth or look at it as an indication of worth. Um, having low expectations from others is another sign. Um, neglecting yourself is also another sign. Um, things like attempting to numb or ignoring your feelings or feeling like you can't talk to someone or talk to anyone about your needs. That was big for me when I was a kid. Um, in a kid, you might see things like attention-seeking behaviors um, because oftentimes that's a child trying to get attention. Um, Extreme attachment to certain individuals. So I know that that was a thing with my youngest sister, my baby sister. She was extremely attached to our mother. Uh, again, we know why it is that was now, but back then we had no idea. Um, so just those are just some of the signs to look for if you think you might be suffering from a neglect wound. Honestly, you're going to have to go back to what the neglect was to really know you know, how to clear it and move forward from it. Because that's what I had to do. And I know that that's something that Allie had to do as well. Can you give some examples on neglecting the self? So I know for me personally, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily neglected myself um, that badly. I mean, there was obviously the times where, like, I could have done things like eating better. Um, and I could have done things like, allowed myself to rest, allowed my body to rest. Um, because I had that perfectionism aspect of myself, I was always on the go, um, doing, doing, doing. I had to be doing something. I couldn't sit still. Um, I would go to the gym and like work out for two hours and then like not stretch because I was like, I don't need it. Because, you know, I, 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 again, me being the perfectionism, perfectionist that I was, I didn't think I did. But that was still neglectful. Um, I know I neglected a lot of my dreams because I didn't think I was good enough. For example, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I was fantastic at science. I loved science. I loved medicine. I knew I could learn it. I knew I could do it. I had that personality where I could have, but I didn't think I was good enough. So when it came to things like needing to know advanced math, I could have learned that. I could have gotten a tutor and gotten through it. I struggled with math, but I could have done it. I just didn't think I was good enough. So I, I, I didn't pursue it. And part of that overlapped with my rejection wound. Um, I had other dreams, too, that I just neglected and let fall to the wayside. Like I wanted to, I don't know if you guys have heard of this program. Um, there is a program. It's like the JET, it's called the JET program. And it's the Japanese Exchange and Chiefing Program. And essentially what you do is you apply, you go through a process. If you're accepted, you go to Japan for two, I think it's two years, and then you teach English and they pay you. And um, I applied once, got rejected, took it personal, 
didn't apply again. Well, what I should have done is what everyone else did and apply again and again and again until they get in. Um, so I did neglect some aspects of myself, but as I got older, I tried to do, be better about that, especially when it came to my health, needing to rest, you know, needing to take time for myself. Um, I, I did overcome a lot of that. And I'm at a point now where I'm not going to let any more of my dreams die, regardless of what it takes to get there. That's a fantastic place to be. I would say for me, I, I did struggle with perfectionism, but for me, it was just more about control. And maybe perfectionism and control go hand in hand in some ways, but I just, that's how I coped with all of my trauma and pain and suffering was I just tried to control as much as I could because if I was in control of my environment, then it kept me from spiraling, which I think that goes for a lot of people because I see it in a lot of people. And because I've experienced it, uh, it's easier for me to see it in other people, especially like when I'm interacting with people or getting to know people, I'm pretty quick at, it's also an empath skill, um, but I'm also pretty quick at like, you know, reading people's energy and really kind of digging into people's traumas and figuring out like whether or not, A, if I could help you or B, if you're someone that I vibe with. So I would say that the neglect wound can come up in many different ways for, and so if you are listening to this episode, I'm going to predict that something in this episode is going to resonate with you because I feel like one of these traits or one of these, you know, emotions or one of these examples that we are providing you today most likely resonates with you because you've experienced it or if it triggers you. Our intention was never to trigger, but if it triggers you, then it's something that you should probably look at. And if you want to ask questions or if you need advice or if you need help, then reach out to TR and I. You guys know how to contact us through our website, um, goddessvibrationstudio.com, and just reach out to us. We love to hear from you. Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to share one more tidbit when it comes to navigating this neglect wound, because this is something that I had to do. Um, and if, if this is a wound that develops through childhood as an, a, a result of emotional neglect or like that lack of emotional nurturing, then one of the things you might have to do is go back to that inner child and nurture them yourself, because that's something that I had to do. I had to go back to my inner child and like, be the parent and reparent her and nurture her from a place of reparenting. And it's something that you can do with visualization. Like it doesn't need to be, you know, you necessarily going to get hypnosis or anything like that. Although you could do that. But for me, I just went to my inner child and I played with her and I, you know, um, rubbed her back and I told her she was beautiful and that I'm here for her. And if she needs anything, she could talk to me. Um, the way that 
a parent should do to a child to provide for a child. And that was very impactful. It was super impactful. Um, so that's a place to start if you feel like you want to navigate your inner child um, wound around neglect. You can do something like that and just see where it takes you. Uh, so just a, a little tidbit and tip that I wanted to provide in regards to that. That's a fantastic tip. Inner child yeah. work. Inner child work for me has been the least, my least favorite. Um, it's not easy. It, it, it's not at all. So it, you know. It's not, and it also, it's just not something I enjoyed enjoyed doing. It's something I put off for the long time. The inner child work was probably my last. I avoided doing it for as long as possible, only because, A, I didn't particularly enjoy my childhood, and B, when I was a child, I wasn't a child. Mm. Like, I just never embodied being a child. And I think that I don't know if that was a place from wounding or if that's just me and my nature. Um, when I talked, when I saw my aunts a few years ago and they were talking about like when I was a child, they were just like, you were never a child. Like you just, you were like, you were just so headstrong and steadfast and you knew things like you were like a little adult. So I don't know if, if, that was a result of wounding or if that's just like an essence of who I am. And so, and that could be another case of just like, you know, if you, when you were a child and you didn't feel like a child, like you were just like a little adult like me, then that, that can happen and that's okay. It's just, you might have to dig a little deeper into the inner child wounding to know, okay, a, was it actually wounding or B was that just the essence of who I am? Because I had to decipher and distinguish and carpamentalize like all of the things from my childhood, like what was wounding and then be like, that was just the essence of me. And so it can get really tricky. It can get really complex down there. So if you need help with that, then reach out to me, email me. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it reminds me a little bit of the kids that grew up really fast or had to grow up really fast. So another, I know that um, this wound can develop and th there might be another inner child wound associated with this um, in regards to children who had to be the adult or children who had to care for their siblings or even children who had to care for their parents. Um, so again, for example, if your parent was on substances, or maybe they were sick or unwell or couldn't provide, and you step up to be the provider for the household and for your siblings. That's, that's a very specific kind of wounds that can develop. Um, and it's tied to that need to have to grow up really quickly, not having a childhood. Um, so um, I, I just want to share that that's a dis just distinguishing between those two, um, because they're a little different, but you know what she said reminded me of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that definitely happens, especially you guys in the past few years when the pandemic hit, when all those children were losing both their parents. And if they did have siblings, they immediately became the adult overnight. Yeah. Yeah. I heard stories of kids like same dropping out of school. Yeah. yeah. To take care yeah. of. Their, yeah. Which is it's it's devastating. But yeah, that happens. We're in interesting times 
there's a lot of interesting and devastating things happening around the world. And I hope I will never stop hoping that things will get better, but it's, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. It is. And again, if you guys are struggling, um, stuck, feeling anguished for some reason, my heart goes out to you. Find a community, you know, find a community of like-minded souls, like, like us, or even online, a spiritual community. Again, we're, we're considering building a community. We're, we're not quite sure what that's going to look like. It might be something on Patreon. Um, but there's communities out there to support you and lift you up and, you know, give you camaraderie. So you can, you can find them, but you might have to put in some effort to get there. So my, my advice is if you feel like you need some additional support, find a community, you know, find something that resonates for you. It'll make a difference. I promise. It absolutely will. Tiara and I actually talk not off like we talk a lot but about this particular subject it's just like I know we've had conversations where it's just like where would we be if we didn't have each other oh my god I don't know (laughs) dead (laughs) probably (laughs) that's morbid sorry sorry I know I, I go there um but yeah so thank you guys so much for listening um, we're noticing that our episodes are getting longer and longer. I'm not sure if that's a good thing yet. So maybe you guys can let us know. Give us some feedback. I'd love to know more about that. Uh, we're also getting ready to launch our channeling sessions, our live channeling sessions. So keep an ear out in regards to that. Um, if you visited our website and you subscribe to our email list, you will get a notification around that. So definitely um, keep an ear out. Continue to follow us on TikTok and Instagram. We'll let you guys know. Absolutely. I've been, we've only been talking about it for half a year. We're also excited about it. And we will have things come into fruition. That was like our 2024 goal was, you know, we had a year of development and now it's a year of making things come into fruition. Yes, absolutely. So continue to listen, Um, please. We appreciate it when you guys listen to all our episodes. And we will talk to you again soon. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.